Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians, verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 16. Two scriptures we'll look at. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the great Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and dwells within us to cause this word to be live within us. We thank you, dear Father God, for receptive hearts. We thank you for attentive ears and open minds. We thank you that your Spirit will enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge in all things that pertain to life and godliness. We are doers of your word and not hearers only. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. In these two scriptures, we see something that's vital to every believer. First of all, Spiritual growth and development is a day-by-day process. That verse there in verse 16, chapter 4, said, Our inward man is renewed day-by-day. It's a day-by-day process. And in this day-by-day process, according to verse 18 of the third chapter, we are changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of our God. And of course, in... Involved in this, we see some certain ingredients. We see the human spirit, we see the Word of God, and we see the Spirit of God. And He's endeavoring to change us into the very image of Himself, of God, as we behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. In other words, as we look into the perfect law of liberty and keep a steadfast look and behold the glory of the Lord in our looking, If we'll hold fast to it and continue in it, we are guaranteed that the Spirit of God will, through the Word, change us from glory to glory until we actually shine from our faces and radiate from our persons the very life, attributes, and characteristics of our God. Paul said it in the second chapter of the same book. You don't need to turn to it if you want to. You can if you like in verse, 2nd chapter, verse 14, 15, that our lives are a continual pageant of triumph diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go, both to those that are saved and to those that are perishing. Unto those that are saved, it's the aroma of Christ. Unto those that are perishing, it's the doom of death. In other words, there's a perfume that emanates from the pores of the believer's body that has its start in the human spirit makes its way to the soul until this life that's within us, this Zoe life, consumes us and we're swallowed up by this divine life and nature until it just emanates from our very being. And bless God, people that are around us that are saved, they know it's coming out of you. And those that are perishing, they know that there's a life that, they, that, that bothers them. They, they, they're under conviction when they come into your presence. They're convicted of their sin. I believe that. 
Brother Smith Wigglesworth was so saturated with this life of God that one day when he stayed at this individual's house and he slept in the bed, the husband was, you know, coming at... He was working the night shift. He'd come home in the morning. He'd sleep in the bed. Then the woman would get up, the, the wife would get up and change the sheets and, and he'd, Brother Wigglesworth would come home and he'd go and sleep in the bed during the night. He was holding revival services you know, all night long for, for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Then all of a sudden, he'd get up and you know, go out and pray and, and, and the, the, the husband would come home from work and he'd go get, in his, get a shower, get in his pajamas, get in the bed and so on and so forth. This happened day in and day out. But the guy was unsaved. The wife was saved. Brother Wigglesworth was holding these revival meetings, getting people saved staying with this dear, fine woman, love God. Well, one time she asked him, said, Brother Wigglesworth, I need you to pray with me about my husband. I need you to do something about my husband. He's not saved. He's not serving God. I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want him to die and be lost. And he acknowledged that he would. And finally, the revival meeting was over. And this is going on day in and day out, day in and day out. He was coming home, going to bed. Wigglesworth was leaving, going to the meetings, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, on the last day, Brother Wigglesworth packed his bags. He's ready to go on home, going into the taxi cab, driving out to the airport. And the woman just stopped there and looked at him in amazement and said, Brother Wigglesworth, what about my husband? And he turned around. You see, he wasn't home from work yet. He turned around and said to the woman, just don't change the sheets. And she looked at him and said, what in the world is he talking about? Just don't change the sheets. Just don't change the sheets. See, she was changing the sheets every day and washing them and changing them. What a faithful woman. Didn't want to sleep in the same sheets. Back and forth, back and forth. Faithful woman, so they can both have a bed to sleep in. But bless God, he just says, don't change the sheets. And she says, I'm talking about my husband's salvation, and this guy tells me not to change the sheets. Well, finally, glory be to God, he comes home from work. She didn't change the sheets. She left the same sheets that was on the bed, just made the bed up just like it was, just left the same sheets, didn't change the sheets. And finally... He comes home from work and takes off his clothes, drops into the shower, gets himself all cleaned up, puts on his pajamas and jumps inside the bed. No sooner he hits the bed, he jumps up out of the bed and his knees hit the floor and he begins to pray and says, Oh Lord God, save me a sinner. You see, the power and the glory of God that was emanating from the person of Smith Wigglesworth was so powerful and so tangible that it actually saturated the sheets and the pillowcase upon which he was lying. And the glory in God that came out of that place, when he jumped in, he couldn't stand even beyond that glory. See, she thought it had to be something visible, something tangible, something that she, he was doing or saying this fabulous prayer to get him saved. But that's not what it was. He was just around the glory of God and got convicted by the glory in the presence of Almighty God. If that kind of power can be transferred into bed sheets, glory be to God, you best believe that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in me will cause it to saturate the pores that's in my body. Until it emanates from me to those that are around me. Amen. Hallelujah. You better believe it can. It can do that. And that's what spirituality is. You see, it's, let's define it again. It's the human spirit through the renewed mind controlling the physical body. The human spirit with all its attributes and characteristics through the renewed mind controlling the body. It's not what people think. It's not shouting, jumping, you know, worshiping God and just saying, Hallelujah, I, I, you know, I got saved and let, but that, thank God for that. But that's not spirituality. Spirituality is when that human spirit, its characteristics, attributes of God, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith, and wisdom of God is actually emanating from the human spirit through the, re, uh, through the renewed mind to control the body. But carnality is the opposite. It's when the body and all that it was taught to the unregenerate spirit so the unrenewed mind is controlling the human spirit that's been recreated by God. And there's a lot of believers that are in that situation right now. Their bodies are controlling their spirits 
through their unrenewed mind. Yes, they may come to a service and worship God and praise God and lift up their hands and shout hallelujah and glory to God. But when they get back out there in the, the warfare of everyday living, they don't know what to do. They're, they cannot call upon the power of God. They just don't have any access to it, any availability to it when it's in them all the time. Because they've not learned how to release the power of God that's within them. Let's realize this important fact that God is in us. And let's be God inside-minded. And let's begin to learn how the human spirit operates. And so that we can learn how to control our bodies through the Spirit. Well, that's what we want to talk about. But we realize here by these scriptures, it's a day-by-day process. It's a daily process. It's not something that you attain to once and then you forget about and, you, and you're just going to, you know, just walk in what you have learned. It's not the past and it's not the future. It's the now. It's in the present. Most people get sidetracked into things of God because they're always looking to the future and they're always looking to the past. Ever try to talk to somebody and all they're looking about is the future or the past, but they don't want to live in the now? I can't live on my past faith experiences. I've got to live in the now. I can't live on what I'm going to be in five years from now. I've got to live, got to live where I'm at right now, today. You see, right here, today. Let's live in the now. Well, let's liken this spiritual growth and development under physical growth and development. And I think if we make a comparison here, we can begin to see clearly how the human spirit operates and how we can promote its growth and development. First of all, it's important that we understand and know that we're in a race, a spiritual race and warfare. Let's look at two scriptures. Hebrews 12, and hold your place. First Corinthians chapter 9, just turn back there. First Corinthians chapter 9, real quick, and go to Hebrews 12 first. Whether we realize it or not, we are in a spiritual race or a spiritual warfare. There are two phases to this race that we're in, two different speeds, so to speak. But when we understand we're in a race and in a warfare and understand how to run this race and prepare for this race, then we can understand why it's necessary the human spirit be fed day by day and it's necessary that we exercise spiritual things day by day, not week by week, but day by day, until we've learned how to set a pace for our lives that the devil has no way to touch us. See, we can actually enter into a pace, a steadfast pace in the things of God that we promote our growth and development and the devil has no way to get in and stop us. We just get bigger and bigger. Let's look at this scripture, Hebrews 12 chapter, verse 1. Now here Paul says, I believe he's the writer, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice it says here the sin and the weights. Did you ever see a runner get out there and put some weights on his shoes? When I was in sports and sporting events, I, I played football, I, I ran track. We used to put weights, ankle weights, you see, on our legs, on our, on our ankles there. And so when we began to run around the field, there'd be a lot more weight that we were carrying around. Of course, it would cause us, well, you couldn't run as fast, but I mean, it would cause you to develop and to strengthen your muscles and your legs and et cetera, and et cetera. Well, then, once we got time that it was, you know, the, the meat was at hand and we got time to get out there and do the running in the race, then we took the weights off. I mean, to tell you, you felt like about 10 pounds lighter and, man, you can just pick them up and put them down as fast as you can, man. And it seemed like you're just a whole lot faster. Because, you see, you had some weights on you. Well, notice here he tells us as believers, we've got to set aside and put aside the weights and the sins that easily beset us and keep us down. 
There's a lot of things that are in our everyday lives activity, you know, that keep us weighed down so that we can't run proficiently in our, in our race. Now, I wouldn't go out there in a track meet and leave those weights on, would you? You'd be at a disadvantage, wouldn't you? But you see, when you get rid of them, you take them off, you can get out there and you can start to fly, amen? You can get out there and be faster. Well, there, there's a race that we're running. It's a spiritual race. But go back to the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'll show you something more about this race. There's a race that we're involved in, a race that we're running in. It's a spiritual race. It's not a physical race. It involves our spirit. It doesn't involve our bodies. Although our body is trying to stop us from our victories. Now here in the ninth chapter, verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain? And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. The race that we're in, a spiritual race, began with the Word of God, which is the incorruptible seed. Now it ends in an incorruptible crown. Now, when I used to run in a track meet, I used to get a corruptible crown, like, a, like a, some kind of trophy or a little medal or a blue ribbon or something like that. Something that will be, that's corruptible. It's going to fade away. It's going to rust away or corrode or whatever. But we're in a spiritual race that began in incorruptibility, began with the Word of God, which is incorruptible. And it ends in a crown of glory that's incorruptible. And that's the prize that we're supposed to be running for. And Paul said in Philippians that we are running for this. We're to forget those things that are behind us. See, any sprinter, any runner knows you don't look behind. You look behind, you're going to waste time. You're going to lose time. You don't look behind. Forget the things that are behind you, but press on for this high prize. For the prize, you see, for this mark of the high calling. The crown of glory. If a runner is going to be diligent to, to obtain a corruptible crown. If a football player is going to work as hard as he can to make it to the Super Bowl. If a boxer is going to practice diligently as hard as he can to obtain the title, and so on and so forth, how much more should we, the children of the Most High God, that are in this spiritual race, be diligent in God's Word and exercise and practice the things of the human spirit until we get so proficient in the things of God that we just get just radiant, just glowing with the glory and the power of God as He places upon our head the crown of glory. I'm excited about that crown, aren't you? I'm excited about what... I was excited about winning a little trophy. These football players are excited about the Super Bowl ring they put on their finger and the trophy that the team gets. But I'm not going to be presented with a trophy from Pete Rozelle. I'm not going to be presented, you see, with some kind of corruptible trophy or ring from the National Football League. But you and I are going to be presented with a crown of glory given by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, handed down by the Father of glory. And He's going to say to you, Well done, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord and that crown will never fade away or dissipate or disappear. It'll be with you forever. Can you say amen? That's the crown we're after. Amen? Now we're in a race for it. The body wants to keep you from it, but the Spirit wants to get out there and get it. You see, obtain it. Well, let's read the next part. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm running in the same race you are, he's saying. And my body is at war against my spirit, and my spirit is at war against my flesh. 
He's saying, my flesh wants to control my spirit through the unrenewed mind. But also my spirit through the renewed mind wants to control my flesh. I recognize I'm in a race. I'm rec I recognize I'm in a warfare. I recognize I can do it and I've got to keep under my body. I'm not running to beat the air, but I'm out there to, to obtain a prize. And I'm running to win this race and I'm going to do it. That's his attitude. Any runner has got to have a good mental attitude if he's going to win that race, if he's going to obtain that prize. If he, if he had a defeated attitude from the beginning, he never got there in practice, would he? No, he'd be discouraged and quit. Well, let's give an example. A long-distance runner is going to prepare, let's say, for a 26-mile race. He has to build himself up physically until he gets to a place where his body is competent to, to finish a 26-mile race. Now, I don't know about you. I doubt very seriously if I could set a pace right now and run a 26-mile race, unless it's walking. You know, I mean, I've just not been exercising in that capacity. Now, I've been doing something else, but not as far as running goes. See, it takes stamina. It takes endurance. And no matter who you are, if you just begin to practice, you can build up a certain level of competency in your physical makeup that you can make a 26-mile race. Maybe not as fast as somebody else, but you can build it up. And, of course, those that do the more practice and the more diligence, they're the ones that are going to be in better condition. Well, one, once he reaches that level of competency and he's able to finish that 26-mile race, he doesn't stop. He wants to press on so he can finish it quicker, faster, you see. And he pushes his body. He may put weights on his body and now run the 26 miles with weights on his feet. And he's, he is forcing more development. He's forcing more growth in his physical makeup until the body actually gains a, a higher level of competency. Well, now, anybody knows that if that runner stops exercising and forgets his practicing and everything, that sooner or later the body is going to regress. And slowly, but gradually, but and slowly, it will fall back to another level of competency where he might be able to only run 20 miles, and then maybe 15 miles. And then before you know it, he's maybe where some of us are. Hey Amen. can't run but five miles without stopping to take a good, you know, rest and then getting back on the road. So it takes exercise to, number one, develop a level of competency. And number two, it takes a continuing of this exercise to further its comp level of competency and to maintain it. Now, the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. It takes us daily exercise of spiritual things, a daily exercise of spiritual things in order to obtain and grow to a certain level of spiritual development. Now, when we begin it, and we begin to do it, and begin to act upon God's Word, our spirit begins to grow and develop. If the believer stops his spiritual exercises, I don't care how many victories he had, I don't care how much faith he displayed two years ago, if he stopped practicing, exercising, meditating, praying in tongues, doing the things of the Spirit... His spirit man will sooner or later regress and his level of competency will also decrease. And although he had some good faith victories three years ago, those faith victories will turn into defeats if he allows this to happen in his spiritual life. Because the human spirit is no different than the body or the mind. It's got to be attended to constantly. We've got to daily develop. See, it says day by day we're changed. If we're not being changed, then we are regressing. 
we're going backwards. Now, the runner knows he cannot, just because last year, or let's say, let's say the Olympics, four years ago, whenever the last Olympics were held. If that fellow thinks that he could just take a four-year leave of absence from practice and exercising, if he's a swimmer, if he's a track star, whatever he is, and think he's going to be as proficient as he was in, in the last Olympics, he's got another thought coming. He's not going to be able to win that marathon, the decathlon. He's not going to be able to win that shot put or discus. He's not going to be able to jump the high jump like he could before. He's just, not, he's just going to regress. His body's not going to be able to do the things that he did before. It takes a... Matter of fact, anybody ever know anybody that was on Olympic teams? You know the time and effort they put into practice? They spend daily hours. I mean 10, 12 hours every single day for four years. I mean, imagine that. Every si 10 and 12 hours, that's all they do is eat, drink, and sleep. The Olympics, that's it. Day in and day out, day in and day out. So that that body is ready for the meat. Now, that's what they do. Now, in spiritual things, we've got to realize we've got to do the same thing. We've got to develop daily, day in and day out, and maintain that level of competency in our spirit. We can't live on past experiences. We can't live on future promises. We've got to live today in the now and begin to promote our spiritual growth daily. I need faith today. You know why? The same germs that are out there today were out there yesterday. The same germs that were out there yesterday are out there today. They're going to be out there tomorrow. They're always endeavoring to come against me and to destroy my body. I can't say that I could be healed tomorrow just because I was healed yesterday. If my faith level is up and growing, I'll be healed every time. If I neglect the development of my human spirit, my faith level will not be there. All right, now, let's just... Uh, Take for an example, I'm going to share something with you that I shared this morning in the first service. My little son, BJ, he, to show you, you can't, you can't live in the past or the future, you got to live in the now. You've got to live today, in the right now. We left church one day, I was on a Sunday night, and I said, uh, well, he said, someone had mentioned something about getting him some, a treat. And so he said, uh, the next day at the table, we were sitting around the table, my wife was walking in the kitchen, and he said, Daddy, is today tomorrow? I said, what? He said, it's today tomorrow. You know, Jan and I both looked at him and said, I said, well, I said, honey, you know, today's not tomorrow, tomorrow's tomorrow. And Jan says, BJ, tomorrow is tomorrow, not today. And he stopped there just for a moment. You learned something from this. I learned something from this. He stopped, I stopped for a moment, I thought about it, and he stopped and thought about it. He said, well, Daddy, you sure, it's today, tomorrow. I couldn't get, I didn't know what he was referring to, what he was trying to get out. It's today, tomorrow. So finally, he said, well, yesterday, you told me that tomorrow, you were going to buy me a dreamsicle. Daddy, is today, tomorrow? I said, yeah, BJ, today is tomorrow. Come to think of it. He was living in the now, wasn't he? If he'd have kept waiting for tomorrow, tomorrow would have never come. So finally, he, he got a hold of me in a hurry and said, Daddy, today's tomorrow. I guess you're right. Today is Actually, if you think about it, God is always in the now. Yesterday was now when we were living it. Today is now. I live in the now. And tomorrow, when it comes, I'll be living in the now. See, God's not bound up by time. It's always in the now. Faith is in the now. Now faith is. So I learned something from BJ. I said, okay, I'm going to start living in the now. You're right. I'm not going to wait for tomorrow to come. I'm righteous when? Now. I'm holy when? Right now. 
I'm set free right now. I'm not trying to be like somebody else tomorrow. I'm, I am who I am right now. My faith works right now. My righteousness works right now. My love works right now. I'm walking in faith right now. I'm walking in power right now. I am where God wants me to be right now. Hallelujah. I'm grown to where I should be. And bless God, I'm promoting my spiritual growth and development. And tomorrow will be now. I'll even be just that much better. Amen. How about you? So you see, we've got to run in the now. Now, our race is a two-speed race. A two-speed race. Turn to Isaiah 40, 31. Isaiah 40, 31. It's a two-speed race. There's two phases of this race. Some of you may have entered into the first, and when you got to the second part, you didn't know what to do. If you're like me, I was involved in one speed race when I was in track. I was the sprinter. I could sprint, but I wouldn't run the long-distance endurance races. I could run the quickies, but not the longies, so to speak. That's how some Christians are. They can run the short-term race, but when it comes to the long-endurance race, they don't know what to do. See? If it means they've got to stand on their faith for more than an hour, then they're lost. If it doesn't happen instantaneously at the altar, well, then, bless God, it didn't happen. And while I'm saying that, and while you're finding that, let me give you this testimony. Brother Smith Wigglesworth, we're talking about a woman in one of his services, stood up and said, I want you to pray for me that this gorder would be healed. She said, okay. He said, okay. Laid hands on her and prayed and said, Jesus' name be healed. She said, okay, I'm healed. I receive my healing now. I've got it and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. She kept testifying to her folks and everybody was around her for a year that she was healed of that gorder. And everybody saw it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. She came to the meeting the next year. Two years had gone by. She says, I want to thank everybody in the presence of God. She was just rejoicing in the fact that she was whole. And she daily said, Father, I just thank you. You're so wonderful and you healed me. And I praise you that I am healed and I am whole. In the mighty name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And she was just rejoicing. And everybody thought she was really flipped out. But she just kept on thanking the Father God that she was healed and there was no gorgeous. She was, just, she was just totally healed. She just kept saying, I am healed. I am healed. I'm healed. As far as I'm concerned, I'm whole. Finally, so when she got up after the second year, someone finally says, You know what, lady? You better look yourself in a mirror and see how big that thing's gotten. She said, Nothing. She says, I just thank God that I am healed. And I rejoice that I am healed. And when she went home after the service that day, see, when you know that you know that you know, we don't need to look in mirrors. The mirror that I look into is found right here. This is the mirror that I behold myself in. And that mirror says, with the stripes, I am healed. And as I behold myself in that mirror, I change into that image. This is what was happening to this woman. Inside her, the power of God's Spirit was working with the word that she was saying to change the body, you see, from the Spirit into the image of a perfect, perfectly healed person. And this was two years in, this, in the making that she was saying this. She went home that night. And she said, Father God, as I stand before you, I know I'm healed. You know I'm healed. You set me free. Whatever you want to do is all right, but show the people that I'm healed. So they can have a little bit of faith too. She went to bed that night. She had a bandage covering it because it was an open sore. She woke up in the morning. And when she woke up in the morning... She looked down at that thing. She took it off. She looked down at that thing. And all she saw was a bunch of ugly roots sticking out where it fell off. Her neck was perfectly whole. She had it in her hand. And when she went to the next church service, after two years, she stood up in one week and she said, I just want to thank the Father, as I've been saying for the last two years, that I'm healed. And everybody went wild. 
They couldn't believe it till they saw it, but she believed it for two years that she was healed, that she was home. See, when it comes to the patience, to the endurance part, people just give up. Don't give up. Our race is a running race, a speed race, and an endurance race. Two speeds. Don't forget this. One, it's a sprint. Two, it's a long-distance race. Now, look at the Scripture. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on, with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not what? Oh, now, look at this twofold phase of our race. It's a run, it's a walk. Now, remember when the Israelites were delivered from the Egyptian bondage and they wandered through the wilderness? And in the book of Hebrews, they were told, we were told and they were told, let us therefore use speed to enter into the promises of God. It was not the intention of the Heavenly Father that they wander in the wilderness and that they die in the wilderness. It was His intention that they use speed when they got across the Red Sea, that they use speed and quickly enter into the promises of God. You're saved, you're delivered from the satanic bondage, you're delivered from darkness. But you don't have your spirit filled with the knowledge of God's Word. You're just saved, you're just free. All you know is that you're born again. But he said, use speed to enter into the promises. I use speed. I go everywhere I can. I listen to every tape I can. I go to this meeting. I go to that meeting. I go here, this one and that one. And I just receive all that I can. And I fill myself up with God's Word as fast and as quick as I can. I find out all the blessings that are mine. And I enter into them. Man, you better do it fast as you can. Quickly. And the reason why is because if your human spirit starts getting fed the garbage that's going around today, it won't be able to enter into any blessings. You see, it'll get contaminated. And it won't be able to walk into the fullness of God's blessings. So you run as fast as you can to get into the knowledge of God's Word, all that He has for you. And you did that when you first got saved. If your experience was genuine, you couldn't get enough of this Word, could you? I mean, you just ate it. Just, just ate it. All right, now listen, that's phase one. But now we enter into phase two. Notice phase two says that they shall walk. They shall walk and not faint. Now, what did Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? For which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed how often? Day by... Now, listen. The first part of that race was a run. And people think that once they, once they entered into all this fullness of, of faith in God's Word, that they have obtained everything. Well, you have a knowledge of it. But after your run, he says, slow it down now to a walk. Every runner knows that once he gets out there and sets a pace, a pace that he's comfortable at, he can go on for 26 miles with no problem. What could be a better pace than walking? What could be a better pace for the believer than a walk? So all these things are coming against me to destroy me, but now I've entered into the promises of God, and now I don't run any longer. See? I now begin to walk. I'm walking in His love. I'm walking in peace. I'm walking in His joy. I'm walking in the recreated human spirit and the forces that emanate from it. I've, I've now paced myself and it's called the walk of the believer. I'm just walking by faith. See? And he says, and when you walk, you won't faint. And that's why Paul says, for which cause we faint not. So you see, it's a twofold phase to this race that we're in. Now, in the walk, we've got to learn how to develop, you see, and walk in and develop the fruit of the recreated human spirit. But we've got to know something about it. We just can't 
thank God that it's there and, 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 and not know how to promote it. Matter of fact, in, let's, let's, let's liken it under physical growth. There are certain things we do to promote physical growth and development. Actually, they are unconscious acts of faith that we perform every day of our lives. Daily acts of faith in bodily exercises or performances that we do every day. We're unaware of the fact of what we're doing, but we're doing them to promote growth and development. My children, since, they, since day one, they've been eating. They've been drinking. They've been sleeping. They've been breathing. Okay? And then they get up to where they're walking. Now, all those activities we do unconsciously. I'll tell you what, you ever get yourself under some water without any tanks on your back, you'll find out that it's a blessing to breathe. But you see, we take it for granted. The daily we just breathe in. You ever get to where you, were, where you didn't have any food, you start thanking God that you had some food when you was back here in the States. Amen? And something that you do unconsciously. We just promote our physical growth and development unconsciously. We walk, we get some exercise walking. If you stop to think about how many miles you've put on your shoes since you've been walking, you'd be astounded. Many, 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 many miles since you've been walking on this earth. But you don't go back and tally it all up and say, well, I've walked a hundred million miles, you know. You don't go back and do that. It's an unconscious act. You're walking. You're not even tired from your walk, are you? I mean, your daily walk. Not set out to walk in, let's say, a 26-mile distance at once. I'm talking about your daily action of, of walking. Sleeping promotes our spiritual growth and development. But yet we're unconscious of it. We just, when a body gets tired, we just go ahead and do it. Unconscious acts of faith in physical activity that we do every day. Now, to promote spiritual growth and development should be the same way. We unconsciously act out our faith in spiritual exercises j just as we do with our physical exercises. In other words, walking in love should be as easy as breathing. Walking by faith should be as easy as laying down to go to sleep. Feeding our spirit the Word should be as easy as eating and drinking. Physical food, sustenance. It should be the same. Other than that, you see, then it's a forceful thing. I should get into a daily routine and activity where speaking in tongues is just like drinking a glass of water. Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That's a spiritual activity. I used to think that I was the one that was a little, you know, BJ says, a little dingy. That's what I used to think it was me because all I, all I just do, and I don't do this in front of people, I just do it myself and pray in tongues. Sometimes I get caught <laughs> by other people, but it's, I just do it. I just, I got a habit of always praying in other tongues. And the first thing I know, I just find myself, I'm praying in other tongues. Well, see, it's a, I don't watch myself and catch myself when I speak the English language. I don't catch myself and say, hey, I'm walking, you know, or I'm breathing. It becomes natural. The more you pray in other tongues, the more natural it will become. It's natural to the human spirit to pray in tongues. The Bible says that he that prays in an unknown tongue, his spirit prayeth, doesn't it? See, that's spiritual activity, spiritual exercise. It should be as natural as breathing. All the things of the spirit should be the same way. That's how we promote our spiritual growth and development. As a matter of fact, here's an important thing to know. If we're going to promote spiritual growth and development, it's going to have to be by faith. Faith is the force that causes development and growth in the life of the believer. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. I'll share with you some forces of the recreated human spirit that need to be developed by faith. Let's take a better look at the human spirit itself, first of all. When we act daily on God's Word 
in spiritual exercise, the human spirit responds. When I put food into my body, how many of you enjoy eating? I'm sorry, how many of you don't? Put your hand up. Okay, everybody enjoys eating. It's an unconscious act. We do it. We enjoy it. We like to do it. It's not a hard thing to do, is it? I mean, you think about it. You're probably pretty soon going out to lunch or something. And you're going to enjoy every minute of it. As a matter of fact, if you don't put some control on it, you may enjoy it too much. But you see, we don't think about it. We don't think about overeating and, you know, what it's doing. to. I don't stop and think about it and analyze what food is doing to my body. It's just doing it. The human spirit, I mean, the human body responds to the food that's put in it. Well, it's the same way in spiritual things. I don't know what's going on inside my spirit when I pray in tongues. But I know this. Man, sometimes by the time I just get worked up there for a while, I just want to jump out of the body. I just want to just shout joy for joy. I just want to just start, just, just start doing some things, you know, just kicking up my heels and running maybe for a while because something happens inside of the human spirit. I don't analyze it. I just know it's happening. The human spirit responds to our spiritual activity and exercise and things begin to take place. It's just like the body reacts to the food that, that, that's put into it. Now, in this scripture right here, Chapter 4, it tells us something about the recreated human spirit. And I know I'm not going to have time to get into all this, but I want to introduce this to us right now. We're going to begin to analyze the human spirit and the forces that emanate from it in greater depth. And we're going to begin to see how we can provide the right diet for spiritual growth and development. First of all, the spirit in this verse, 424, the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and True holiness. The human spirit is created in righteousness. Now stop there for a moment. I was created by God as a male. I'm of the male gender, species. I'm not a female. Now I had it, it didn't have anything to do with it. How about you? <laughs> Any of you... Fellas out there, you're going to wake up in the morning and be a woman? I'm not planning on it. I don't know about you, but I'm not planning on it. When I want you to see your spirit. Now, are you ready for this? Your spirit has been recreated by God and its state of being. It is righteous. It is created righteous. It is a fact that I am righteous. You are righteous. The only way you can be unrighteous is if you were not born again. If you're born again, you are created righteous. You are righteous. That's your state of being. That's the human spirit. That human spirit can stand before God, look God in the eye. And I mean to tell you that human spirit can stand there without a sense of guilt or inferiority because it was created on an equal basis with God. Jesus said what? I don't consider myself consider it to be robbery to call myself equal with God. And it's no longer I that live it, but Christ that liveth in me. But the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So I want you to begin to see your spirit right now as being, just as you're a woman, just as you're a man, righteous. You are righteous. I don't care if you wake up tomorrow feeling ugly, feeling guilty. Feeling like as though you've never been saved. It doesn't matter. You are righteous. I'll say it like this. The righteousness of God feels ugly. Doesn't feel saved. 
But don't go off and say that I'm not the righteousness of God or I'm not saved or I don't feel saved because, you see, you are righteous by birth. You're a woman by birth. You're a man by birth. You are righteous by birth. You're stuck with it, friend. You're righteous. And I don't care what you've done. Only thing you can do is, is break your fellowship with the Father. And He even made provision for that. If I break fellowship with the Father, that doesn't mean I'm not righteous any longer. I'm still in relationship with the Father. It means that I am covered with unrighteousness. I'm, I have sinned. But all I've got to do is ask the Father to forgive the righteousness of God. And He cleanses me from all unrighteousness and I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been created righteous just as you've been created a man or a woman. Now, that's important because there's a force of righteousness. Note this. You cannot grow in righteousness. You can only grow in righteousness consciousness. See, that day you got up and said, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel right before God. You were just not conscious of the fact that you are righteous. Because of the body taking control over the spirit, holding your spirit in bondage, it told your mind that you were unworthy to stand in God's presence. But God didn't say that. Who is he that condemneth? Is it God? No. It's not Christ. He was raised from the dead. It's the devil that condemneth and tries to make me think that I can't stand before God without a sense of inferiority and guilt. But it's God that has justified and made me and declared me righteous and He Himself has become my righteousness. So I am as righteous as I could ever be from now into eternity. Now all I do is develop righteous consciousness. I'm just telling myself I'm so aware that I'm righteous. Bless God that I can stand before Him every single day. I'm not living by yesterday or tomorrow, but right today I stand before Him right now. And when He sees me, He says, Son, you stand before me as though sin never entered your life. No guilt, no inferiority. I stand before Him whole. Okay, so it's by faith. I look at the unseen. That's my human spirit. It's not seen, is it? I don't see my human spirit. But bless God, by faith I believe that what God's Word said about it is so. Say this with me. I am righteous. I've been recreated righteous. God is my righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That settles it. Whether you're a male or a female, you know what I'm talking about now. You've been made a man, you're a man, period. Now I've been made righteous, I'm righteous, period. So tomorrow if you got up feeling ugly, say, hallelujah. It doesn't matter what I feel like, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and that settles the issue. Just like I'm a woman or a man when I look in the mirror. Okay, now, Paul said it's by faith I live this life in the flesh. Now, faith in this recreated human spirit, faith in what the Word says about it, has to be an unconscious act. An unconscious act, like eating and breathing. As a matter of fact, I, I used an example this morning. It's like when you're driving down a highway, how many of you know that you drive by faith? You know that? You drive down the highway, you see the sign, and the sign says something, and you believe it. How many of you ever got out of your car went over to that sign, evaluated it, and made sure that it was telling you the truth. Christians do that to the Word. Truck drivers, they drive down the highway. Now they drive down the highway 55 miles an hour. A few years ago, they drove 70 miles an hour. I was behind them both, 55 and 70. And when they was going 70 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour, down the highway, off to the right, where there was a bridge, that said a sign said, clearance, 15 feet. I did not see one truck driver stop his truck, get out of the cab, go over to the sign, read it carefully, then call Mabel out of the other side of the cab and say, come on, let's go over and get a ruler and measure the distance from the top of that bridge to the, to the ground to make sure it was 15 feet. Did any of you ever see anybody do that? Driving down a freeway at 70 mile an hour? The ones I ever saw, they just zipped right underneath that thing and being behind them, I looked like this here and I said, they only got... Six inches. 
Boy, they almost wrapped that bridge right up. From, from my side, it looks like they could just make it. You know what I'm talking about? But yet that guy went back through there 55 mile an hour and he didn't care whether he was going to make it or not. Just he believed the sign. Can you imagine if somebody, you know, if you're driving a truck now, I'm probably going <laughs> to... Somebody went out there on the highway, you know, made a mistake or some smart little, you know, kid went out there and changed that sign and said, Clearance, 17 feet, 2 inches. In reality, it was only 12 feet, 6 inches. See? Can you imagine that guy believing sign going 55 mile an hour through that with a, with a 13 foot cab and it's only 12 foot 6 inches? Can you imagine just flying through there on the top of the truck just being left behind? Think about it. You think about that. You do that in everyday activity when you drive. You believe that when that light turns red or green that somebody's going to go or stop. I did it in East Liverpool one time. I went to the light. My, I mean, the light was green. It was green on my side. I was stopped there, then it turned green. I looked up, turned green. And for some reason, I didn't go. I sat there just for a minute and I didn't go. I was about to go, but I didn't go. I looked up again and I just happened to notice. And this guy on the, on, on the other side just went right through the light. And if, I, if I'd have gone when I was supposed to go, he would have went right through me. It was a truck, too. And I said, now, if I, if, if, thank God we're led by the Spirit. But if you just went by faith in, you know, the system, I'd have just gone when the light turned green. I've got a right to go, you know. I've got the privilege, not the right. But as I got on the other side, I found out why that fellow went through that light like that. Because the light on his side of the road wasn't working. And he didn't know whether it was red or green. And he assumed that if it wasn't working on his side, it wasn't working on my side. And since he was on the mainstream, you know, the flow where people were going already, he saw a car go in front of him, he just kept right on going, not knowing that my light turned green. His light turned nothing. If I'd have gone by faith in signs, you may have had somebody else come into this office. But you see, you can't put your... We put faith in things that we're not aware of. It's an unconscious acting on something. Now, wouldn't God be happy with us if we unconsciously acted upon His Word that way? That truck driver is not going to go out and measure that. I'm not going to go out and see whether or not the light turned red or green. Every time I drive my car, I drive my car by faith. And so do you. But now... Faith is this unconscious acting. When I know that I am righteous, I act on my righteousness unconsciously. I'll tell you what, I've, I've been in prayer. I've gone before the Father and I said, Father God, I thank you that my child is healed in Jesus' name and a fever left that body. Do you know what was involved in that prayer? Are you ready for this? we got wires here. They speak into this thing that comes out somewhere else. Did you ever see that? They did it beautiful too, didn't they? Well, I'll tell you what. I spoke out of this. No wire. Nothing. Only a spirit. Words. I couldn't touch those words. I couldn't feel those words. I couldn't see those words. I could hear. But those words I spoke out of my mouth without any wires, any electrical device whatsoever, left this realm, went all the way to the throne of God, got the Father's attention. The Father said, okay. And the power and the glory of God came on back down and drove that fever out of my baby's body. That's an unconscious acting on something, isn't it? You think about that. If I hadn't analyzed that, I, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. All I know is that it worked. Hallelujah. I know that it worked. So I don't, I don't, you know, figure these things out. I just act on my righteousness unconsciously. I know I have a right to do it, and so I do it. And that's what faith is all about. Let's look at another force. Galatians 5.22. 
See, it's imperative that we understand that these forces that emanate from our spirit must be daily exercised and developed by faith. It's imperative. If we don't understand that, if we neglect it, then our spirits will regress and fall to a lower level of competency. See, in this second speed of our race of faith, what we do is we coast and we begin to walk at a good pace. Just walking daily, day in and day out. Doing these things day in and day out, unconscious of the fact that we're doing them, but yet they're still doing something inside our spirit, just like feeding our body does something to it without us realizing it. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is, notice this characteristic or attribute of the human spirit, is love. 522. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the recreated human spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Righteousness is the state of being we're in. But now love is the nature of that spirit. Love is a force, but it's the nature of the spirit. It should be, I should love as natural, uh, it should be as natural to me as breathing. I should love the brethren as I love my child. A father's love is a natural love. It's not a forced thing. I love my child, period. And I show him that love. Well, then, I should, as a child of God, love just as He loves me. It should be a natural force coming out of my spirit. I, I should walk in love. Like I said, it's just as though I breathe, as though I sleep. Another fruit, that's the nature of the spirit. Love is the nature. Righteousness is the condition. Love is the nature of the spirit. Then the other force that I want to bring out right now, we'll get into these, like I said, in greater depth as we go on. But the force of faith, the force of faith. Faith, the last fruit of this spirit is that word faith is not faith in the Greek. That is faithfulness. It's, it's mistranslated. It should be faithfulness. So you may have faithfulness in one of your translations of the Bible. Anybody have that in your Bible? Faithfulness. Just to show you that I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not off somewhere. It's faithfulness. The reason I'm bringing that out is this. Faith is imparted to the human spirit as an act of God by Him. When we're born again, He deals to every man the measure of the God kind of faith. It is the creative force of the recreated human spirit. Note that. For faith is the creative ability or force of the recreated human spirit. It's the faith of God, same kind of faith that God has. It can actually bring things into existence. It can destroy things that do exist. Jesus proved that when He cursed the fig tree. Faith is the creative force of the human spirit, recreated human spirit. It's the faith of God. It's been dealt to us by God. It's not a fruit. It's a force, the creative ability. Faithfulness is the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Okay. Now, when you put these three things together, you find out that this human spirit then is recreated in righteousness. It has the nature of love, divine nature of love, and it has a force of faith. Faith worketh by love. And because I can stand before the Father's presence in righteousness, that means I have access to His throne through righteousness. And because my faith works by love, because I'm walking in this thing called love, His divine nature, it's the energizing force, then my faith will work to create and destroy, to build up or to pull down whatever in my life. So that force of faith I use to develop my recreated spirit. Let's take one force that I'll use, and that's the next one there. It's joy. Joy is a force of the recreated human spirit. It's a fruit, but it's also a force. Peace is another one. We'll look at that in a minute if we get time. But joy is something that's in the Spirit. It's not out in the flesh. The Bible says if you have a sad countenance, it makes your heart sorrowful. That's because you have sorrow of the heart, you have a sad countenance. 
but a cheerful, joyful countenance. You see, joy brings a cheerful, joyful countenance. A man shall have joy by the answer of his mouth. Since I've got to develop this by faith, it means that when all the circumstances that are around me are unfavorable, I, through an exercise of, a spiritual exercise of faith, will unconsciously produce this fruit of joy in my innermost being. When I left to go to school down at Tulsa, Oklahoma, it wasn't like some of the fellows that got laid off from their jobs and they maybe lost their jobs and they've been off on unemployment and that sort of thing. When we left to go down to school, I did not receive any unemployment. I did not lose my job. I quit my job. And when I quit my job, it meant that's it, no income coming in. I had no way to, to collect unemployment. Now, some of you that have, maybe you've been laid off for a year or more than a year, you, at least you sit back, at least you, at least you can collect unemployment. You had something coming in, a means whereby you can say, at least I got that coming into my household. We had nothing. I mean, we stepped out by faith. We stepped out without anything. I couldn't even, I wasn't going to lie about it. I quit my job. I wasn't fired. I didn't do, you know, I wasn't laid off. I quit my job. That means no unemployment. And when we got down, I mean to tell you, there were some times that we were just banging our heads. We just, it was just coming at us from every avenue, every way. And we just looked at one another and bills began to pile up. I had to sustain a family, high rent. Electricity, electric bill, they entice you. They say, all you pay is the electric bill. Yeah, that's all you pay. Like, but everything in Tulsa is electric. Everything is electric. So now not only is it $220 a month just for the apartment that we're living in on minimum wage, but now I've got to pay electric, and everything is electric in the whole thing. I mean, everything. No gas stove, no, nothing. No, everything is electric. Heating and cooling and everything. And so, there we are. And I have to pay my tuition. And I've got to, all the things I have to do. I'm studying. I can only work part-time, etc. My wife is pregnant. All these things are coming. And I have no source of income. No, any employment. It would have been nice to collect unemployment for, you know, for at least nine months. It would have been all right, you know, to help out. But I couldn't do that. So there I was. And one day, I mean, I was maybe like, Man, you might be that way today. And I went back into the back bedroom. I don't, know if, I don't even know if my wife knows this. She may know this. I don't know. She, she'll find out about it now. But I mean to tell you, I went in the back bedroom. And things were piling up around me. And it seemed like as though there was a pressure. And I knew that those circumstances around me was endeavoring to get my spirit to become low. To get it to regress. To, to defeat me. The body was trying to rule my spirit through the unrenewed mind. And I got back in that bedroom. And I found out that God, Jesus said in His Word that joy, if you want joy, you've got to leap for it. See, I don't know how these things work. I don't go inside my spirit and tap them out and find out how they work and evaluate them. I just know that I'm going to believe that God said in His Word is so. And so, He said, if you want joy, you've got to leap for it. I mean, Will Chamberlain would have been proud of me. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. But if they had figured a five, six guy could dunk the ball, it would have been right then. I went back there, instead of saying anything negative, instead of saying anything that I felt like saying... See, this is an act of faith, unconsciously. I got down as low as I could to the ground, and I just leaped as high as I could. Like I said, they'd have been proud of me. And I just said, Hallelujah, glory be to God. And there's something, I just did it and started rejoicing in it. I mean, the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, inner man, strength. There's something about this thing called joy that'll get you to going. And deep from within inside my spirit arose, I mean, this, this force of joy. And it seemed like I just wanted to burst. It seemed like I just wanted to just jump out of my body. It seemed like, I, I mean, to tell you, all the circumstances were the same. Everything else was the same. And, uh, you know, nothing, my finances didn't change and nothing changed. But I just knew something changed in me. The Bible says, who's changed? Your circumstances are you. You are changed 
day by day, from glory to glory, even as under the image of God. And when I did that, bless God, something inside me changed. And I began to see things from a different light. And I began to just rejoice and shout and count it all joy. Every time my bill would come in, you know, you'd want to just rip it up and throw it in the garbage. But every time I'd look at I'd say, hallelujah, glory be to God. You see, in, in the, that joy that rose up from within, one by one caused all the circumstances to bow its knee to the Word of God. One by one, they bowed their knees to the Word of God. One by one, each, I mean, if there was want, it wasn't there. We didn't change our lifestyle. We didn't stop doing the things we used to enjoy doing in daily life. Did you know that when you start working for God, He doesn't make you uh, on His poverty list? You know, when you start working for God, He pays you well. Did you know that? I mean, if we wanted to go out and eat, we went out and ate. I mean that. I, I, didn't, I left the job. I said, I'm making pretty good money down here in this mill. If I'm going to work for you, you, you don't think I'm taking anything less. I, was, I mean, you, you, you may have less on the outward appearance of it, but you don't have less when you've got faith. When you've got faith, you've got everything. The Bible says it may seem like as though a man is poor, but he that he, he may seem like he's poor, but inside he's rich. He's rich. And we were rich spiritually. That's why I began, I believe that's why I began to cultivate a richness in the spirit that, that just changed, revolutionized our whole life. We began to just realize we can call upon our heavenly bank account and God would be there to meet every need. As long as we cooperated with the spiritual forces. And joy was one of them. And back down there, there was everything was twice as high as it is around here. At least it was then. I know it was then. You want to buy, if you want to buy a, a pizza down there, it cost you $10 with nothing on it. That was just one little pizza. Ten bucks at that time, five years ago. Ten bucks. I said, this is crazy. If you want to buy yourself a, a pound of cheese, American cheese, a pound of American cheese was over $5 a pound. It's not that around here now. It's only a couple bucks. $5 a pound way back when. I'm on minimum wage. I'm, I'm making nothing down there. But every time the table was set, the table was full. You see, you're rich inside, in the spirit. These things that work inside your spirit, they make you rich. Rich, really being rich spiritually is nothing more, and physically, is nothing more than having the ability to call upon God to meet your need in any given time of trouble. You say you need money to pay your bills. Invite Jesus to live in your house, he'll pay the bills. You don't have to have a bank account, you've got one in heaven. And when you need $100, he, he sees to it that it comes. See, that's what... He's talking about spiritual forces are real, friends. They've got to be developed and cultivated, but you've got to do it by faith. You've got to force it. You don't feel like shout, shouting and counting it joy when, when things are going bad, but you do it by faith. You do it. Count it all joy when you fall into these diverse temptations by faith. And the more you do it, the more you develop that thing called joy inside you. And every time an opportunity comes that you can speak God's Word, you take it and you speak God's Word. And every time you have a, an opportunity to be defeated, you don't take it. You refuse to be defeated. I don't care if your name is Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth E. Copeland, Jerry Savelle. I don't care if Smith Wigglesworth. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now. And I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith 
and experience. God bless.